Hey, what's up? That's me, Victoria Glam, the host of the Glam Life Podcast. I've spoken on stages around the world, but this is where it actually started, in a small town just like you. I bought this building, I built this business with my loving husband, and then I made a lot of really famous friends. And now I want to bring their expertise to you every week on the Glam Life Podcast. Hi, welcome to the Glam Life Podcast. My name is Victoria Rocca. You might know me as Victoria Glam if you follow me over on Instagram, which you totally should. You can catch small excerpts of this podcast on my YouTube channel, um, which I will include in the description link, and then I will remember next week for our podcast. And you can watch the entire episode. You can watch the whole episode, including exclusive behind-the-scenes content and your very own after show, breaking down all of the exciting moments or really pivotal pivotal moments um over at theglamlifepodcast.com it's free you can see every episode that you want and you can leave comments and questions and often our guests will actually leave you links whether that's to courses with them or (laughs) their favorite recipe i'm not even kidding um And you can get all that over at theglamlifepodcast.com. Before we get into today's episode, I have a very exciting announcement to make. Uh, I am having my own conference this December. It's called the Christmas Conference, and it is 100% a free conference. It costs you nothing. The only thing we're asking, yes, I ask, it's a very small space because it's here at my studio. So I am asking for a cash deposit that is refunded when you actually walk in. That way nobody reserves seats and then doesn't show up, you know? Um, And at the door, we would like you, as we are sending back your deposit, to give us a toy for Toys for Tots. The entire day benefits Toys for Tots. What do you get in this one-day conference? You get six speakers from literally around the world, UK, Europe. USA, all over the USA, um, you get six demonstrators. So people are actually going to show you how to do services. Um, We have an amazing smoky eyeliner technique that actually heals brown. Amazing. Also piercings, um, fine line tattoos, the whole shebang, right? All the stuff that's going to help you as the recession is getting worse to pad your books. So it all culminates in an evening of fun because we do have a gala that night, um, which is catered. So dinner is on us and uh, there'll be dancing and cake. So why wouldn't you show up? You can also find links to that at the glamlifepodcast.com. Today is an historical day. Today is an historical day. I have my very first podcast guest, Up until now, it's been just you and I this whole time, just kicking it, chatting, me talking about shit that goes down in business or some of my students that I'm coaching, stuff that happens in their businesses. So anyway, it's been just the two of us this whole time, right? But now I was a guest on someone else's podcast, the very someone who is on today. And she mentioned to me, why don't I come on your podcast? And I said, I've never had anyone on my podcast. And she said, I really, really, really want to be the first. So without much further ado, she really doesn't need that much of an introduction, but I will give you a few clues. So she is the OG. She is the first person who said, yes, I will help you in your permanent makeup quest. She is the first person who said, you can watch me solder a needle together. She is the first person who said color theory is actually really, really mad important. And I'm only going to teach it live, even if that means sitting on a webinar camera for eight hours so that I can answer questions in person. You guys, live from Las Vegas, I am so proud to bring you Taryn Darling. Hello. Hello, my friend. Hi. How are you? Good. So Taryn, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. That's We've been like hanging out started. a lot lately, Victoria. I know, lucky me. Yeah, I like it. I'm getting to know you and I like it. We're best friends now, basically. Well, I guess I'm your second bestie because I know who your best friend is, and it's not me. (laughs) Who's my best friend? Katie Schofield. (laughs) I left her. I left her a very lovey-dovey Instagram voicemail last night. Oh, oh, last night, spicy. Yeah, and I told her a cute little bird like dropped me a little nugget of info. So you know about the LA Pro team. So Uh, (laughs) yeah. So anyway, you guys, if you didn't know. which I'm pretty sure I mentioned in the intro, but actually this was Taryn's idea. She told me that I should have guests on my podcast and then she volunteered to be the first one. (laughs) Did I volunteer? I thought I just gave you like, you know, a little advice. (laughs) No, 
I can't ever prove it because your file is corrupted, but you. Oh yeah, that's true. I'd that's love true. to come on your podcast. That's and I, true. And I've never had any guests. Yeah. Yeah. That file mysteriously ended up corrupted. <laughs> uh, so Taryn Marie, darling, you said back East, you're originally from Maine, right? I am from Maine. Yeah. Yeah. From Maine. And how did you end up in Las Vegas? Well, you know, I followed, you know, my first, my first love, my first girlfriend, um, really. So, but, but leading up to, you know, that, I mean, I always dreamed of a big life. I wanted a life that, um, that was bigger, bigger, bigger than myself, bigger than how I saw life being lived in Maine. I always dreamed of that Victoria. And, um, and so when my first girlfriend's sister lived out in Las Vegas and my girlfriend wanted to go, I think we were only together about six months at the time, you know, that, that first love. And it was my first girlfriend. Um, How old are you at this point? Oh my God. Well, you know, that's, you know, that's, is that, that's, that's not relevant. Uh, <laughs> it's a huge but, thing to move across the country, you know? It is. It is a, a big thing. Her sister was here and already had an apartment. So, you know, we came out together and, and Las Vegas sounded very exciting to me. I mean, and, and it was only supposed to be a pit stop. You know, I really wanted to go to L.A. Oh. and, um, you know, get into the arts there. Yeah. Something really creative there. But I ended up making really good friends here. And um, and they're, they're still my friends today, like all these years later. So built a really good community here around me. So here, did here I am. Move, did she move back to Maine? Um, you know, and for, no, she stayed right out here until she passed away. She passed away only about three years ago, unexpectedly in her sleep at a really young age. So, but we had stayed in contact, even though, I mean, I think we were out here maybe two years and we broke up, you know, we were young and, and, and foolish and, you know, a whole new crop of women, Victoria, <laughs> you know, yeah. And so, you know, so it didn't, it didn't last, but we did stay friends and stay in contact um, right up until she passed away. So such a shame. What was life like back in Maine? Life, life's a little bit uh, sl slower in Maine, a little bit more, I guess, sim sim simplistic, I, I, I guess in a way, if, if you will. Um you know, we, I was just back there in June, me and Kat, and we were coming back from hanging out with my cousins. And it was like nine o'clock at night on a Saturday night, mind you. And we were super hungry. And, you know, there wasn't a pizza joint, not a nothing, not a grocery store, not a nothing <laughs> open at like nine o'clock at night. And so in Vegas, you know, everything's 24 seven. So we can go get right. pizza at three in the morning. Yeah. So things shut down. People were in their homes a little bit earlier. Um it's coastal. I, I grew up in Maine on the, you know, Maine can be very coastal and beach, or it can be Northern and, and woods and a little more rural and farming. So I grew up in the city part of Maine where it's uh, super coastal. So yeah, I would just say a little bit slower, a little things shut down a little bit earlier, beautiful. People are warm and friendly. I love it. I love it. I feel like I got two homes, you know, Vegas and yeah. Maine. Yeah. By coastal with only one coast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your yeah. dad still lives there, right? Danny? He does. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Dan Darlin. Yeah. How do you know that? You, what are you doing? You, did, did you do a little background research on me? <laughs> I, I called a cop that I used to sleep with and I had him look you up. Ah, that's funny. I might've <laughs> slept with the same I mean, I slept with the same <laughs> cop. You know, I don't know. Was it a woman? Was it a female cop? <laughs> yes. How did you know? Well, okay. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just That's joking. funny. Yeah. Dan Darling. I did find out one other thing. Uh, and it's something you and I have in common. Okay. Uh, you like to garden. I do like to garden. Very I feel much like not so. that many people know this about you. Yeah, no, I, I do. I love, I love to garden and I love planting flowers and, and playing with my flowers and pruning them and tending to my, all my rose bushes. I, I, I have, um, I have a pretty good lot size for, especially for Vegas. It's a third acre. You know, so it's got lots of like palm trees and rose bushes and plants and this and that. And I actually have a garden. And so I love it. That's that's um, I'm really a big nerd, to be quite honest with you. Um, I like to be home when I'm not traveling and working. And, and I like to be home. I like to garden. I do a lot of laundry, a lot of irony. I'm really a big nerd, Victoria. I like yeah. that. When did you start gardening? I started this summer, so I'm super into it. 
I started when I got my first house out here in Vegas, um, uh, many, many, many years ago. So, you know, you get your first house, you just can't believe you accomplished that. What a goal, right. For any yeah. human. So, and I was just so, I had to work so hard, you know, for it. And I wasn't quite into PMU yet at that point. Oh, um, what have you been doing before? I was a cocktail waitress. Okay. Wow. Yes, I was on the street. With the skirts? <laughs> yeah, yeah, girl, with the skirt, with the heels, with every everything. Yeah, the whole nine yards. Yeah, that was okay. me. <laughs> there was a learning curve to the heels and the skirt and the, the whole nine yards. But believe you me, there was a transition period that was a little rough on me. But all the cocktail waitresses just, you know, they 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 they, they found it adorable and they, they helped me out. They gave me some pointers on how to work on work walking heels and they give me some pointers with my makeup and, and all that good stuff. So it's not a joke though. Like that's a hard job. Serving in heels is hard. Yeah, it is hard. It is yeah. really, really hard. I mean, thank God you're on cop it, you know, cause all the casinos are copping it. Yeah. So you're work, walking on cop. It was, you know, makes things you know, a lot better, but when you're a tomboy and you're in sneakers and boots all your life, and then you got to put on a pair of heels um, and look cute doing it look smooth and cute doing it. It was a little rough at first, but I, but I did get it and I ended up a really good cocktail waitress. Um, so yeah, I got my first home and, um, and, and I just started really studying gardening and soil and this and that and how to tend to plants. And I Isn't found it, so you know, I, you know, I find it to be very soothing. Don't you? I, I, I get yes. really bad anxiety. I have, you know, recycling thoughts. I've been open about this in, in the past, you know, the, the recycling thoughts and, a mind that can adrift and get a little crazy. So I find it very, very healing, very soothing, very meditative, very peaceful. It's just, um, it's very calming and, and healing for me. So I really enjoy it. Me too. Do you have, do you keep plants at the shop? No, no plants at the shop. So, Hey, are we, uh, are we being like, uh, is this just audio? Or is this video too? That's video too. Yeah. Oh, it's video too. Okay. All right. Gotcha. 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 I put on, you know, my shirt for you and everything I changed yeah I changed and everything I think living in Las Vegas you've probably seen your fair share of like crazy stuff whether it's crime or otherwise just crazy stuff but yes. you were originally from a small town in Maine where they close pizza even at by like 8 a.m 8 p.m so yeah yeah when you moved there were you a little bit in shell shock I mean a lifestyle change even uh shirt wearing high heel wearing cocktail waitress um, no, I wasn't in shock. And I, I was, I was in, I was in awe. I, I, you know, maybe in awe is the best word. I wasn't shell shocked. I transitioned pretty quick. I'm, I missed my family. I hit the ground running. Um, I think, you know, we landed at one in the morning and we went into one of the casinos and gambled and had breakfast at 7am and, and didn't sleep for a call. I hit the, I hit, I hit the road running. I think I was in <laughs> awe. I was in awe. I was in awe at, um, finally I was in a city with uh, diversity and which felt really comfortable and and wonderful to me because in Maine back especially back then there wasn't a lot of diversity and so coming to a city where there was lots of diversity and there was a larger gay scene and there was a lot of different cultures and skin colors here um, I was in awe with it all. And I, I, I loved it. I, I really, really loved it. I knew I belonged in a city with all the diverse, uh, culture and, and people. So that felt good to me right away. So, yeah, so definitely in awe. I'm still in awe with this city. <laughs> you said something to me on one of our podcasts that was just kind of like an aside, just like a, I don't even know if you realized that you said it, but I was wondering what you meant by it. I was talking to you about being incredibly inclusive and welcoming in the permanent makeup community because really you were the first person who looked at this new wave of microgladers and everything and said, yeah, let's figure this out together. Come on in where other people mm -hmm. kind of said no. And you said, I guess I can thank my dad for that, but I've always been really inclusive. What mm -hmm. did that mean? Well, so it goes back, it does definitely go back to my dad, you know, Maine was not a very diverse place. You know, it wasn't a di diverse city. It was predominantly Caucasian. So especially when my dad, you know, was was growing up. Um, yeah. But, the, you know, when, when my dad was about eight, eight years old, um, a black family moved in to, on his street, right across the street, 
and my Nana, my dad and the whole family, they ended up the best of friends. And actually the gentleman, Jimmy Johnson, who my dad was really good friends with, they were friends right up until Jimmy died. And so early on, whereas I think a lot of people were not introduced to diversity or people of different races, um, I was. And then my dad, of course, went into the army. And my dad has always been really liberal with his thinking, like socially and, um, and, and very inclusive. And he raised us that way. He raised us that way. He would make us watch the news because, and he would make us watch the world news because oh. he wanted his children to see uh, the United States as it was as a whole with all the diversity with culture and race and, and all these, these things rather than just being exposed to uh, what was in Maine at the time. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. So yeah, even with my sexuality, Victoria, even though, you know, back then it, it really wasn't okay to be gay. I'm my dad's only daughter. Um you know, coming out to him, it, 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 it was scary. Don't get me wrong. I think every gay person or a lot of gay people are, are scared to come out, even if their parents are loving. Um, no, but he made me feel really super comfortable about it. So did my mom, my mom, my mom's this, this way too. So I was really, I guess I was just really lucky to be born in a family that exposed us to that and talked to us about, uh, race and religion and, um, and, and all, all these, you know, all these important, um, what do I want to call them? These important. Facets of human life. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. From a really young age. And then when I moved to Vegas, it's all here. Right yeah. in front of me. All around me. I was aware of it, but I had never been really exposed to it. You were exposed to more. So you were welcoming and accepting of more. I, I think that that has carried through throughout your career as well, because that's the first thing that people who have been in the industry as long as I have, you know, under 15 years, that's the first thing that we say when we think of Taryn Darling is like, oh, she was the first person who taught me. She's the first person who actually had like a course that I understood that was worth something, not just trying to sell me a class or whatever, but like real education. And she was an OG and she was so welcoming. That's the first thing people say about you is just how welcoming you were. And okay. I guess that's why you had an open mind when microblading came around when so many people didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, th that's really wonderful to hear. And, um, and it feels really good. So I thank you for sharing that with me. And I hope that's how people feel with me, Victoria, hope that's, if nothing else, you know, when I'm out of, uh, when I'm done this industry, you know, I think when you get to where I'm at in my career, 22 years, you start thinking about your legacy, right? Like what, yeah. what, what do you, how, you know, how do you really want this industry to feel about you? And, and most importantly, it was how I treated everybody, especially when they did nothing for me, could do nothing for me. You know, right. especially those were like, you know, how did I treat them? And I think besides being raised super open-minded, you know, in a family that was super open-minded, I'm full of flaws, <laughs> full of flaws. You know, I, I, I just am, and I don't want to be judged. You know, I mean, I just don't want to be judged. Yeah. Um, so, and, and so therefore I, I, ju I judge no one. I've just never been a judgmental person. Um, I want people to accept me with all my flaws and, and all my shit and, and love me and, um, and respect me. And, 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 and I, I extend that, you know, to people and the industry as a whole, as a whole. It comes across that way. Thinking of those 22 years that you've been doing permanent makeup. Take me all the way to Eddie's shop. How did you end up there? Eddie. Okay, so Eddie, so Eddie Lynn, um, he, he's, uh, God, he started tattooing, you know, when he was like 16 years old and started his own shop in a really bad, like not a great part of town, this tiny little shop. And I, you know, new to Vegas, wanted a tattoo, went to Eddie's shop, not knowing who he was. And got a tattoo and um, got a couple more little tattoos. And I really liked him a lot. I really liked him a lot. We really vibed. We talked a lot. 
And, you know, and then I started, I started doing like permanent makeup. I, I, I said, well, in the meantime, I'm sending him a lot of people, right? Like yeah. anybody that wanted a tattoo, you got to go to Eddie Lynn over at the skin factory. He's great. Blah, 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 blah. So, you know, I get into the skin permanent factory, makeup. by the way, sounds like a crime documentary. <laughs> yes. Yes. The skin factory. That, that's the name of his business. He still, he has two locations here and he had, uh, he has a location in, in Maui right on front street. And unfortunately, um it it burnt he he lost his business with with the fire in in um in Lahaina so um but he he's he's doing good and you know hopefully he rebuilds out there but he still has two shops here but anyway sort of doing make a long story short sort of doing permanent makeup not really happy you know the first maybe year or so seeing your eyebrows not healing the right color I mean you know I'm using a color that looks brown in the bottle but you know, a year later, they're orange or they're red and it's freaking yeah. me out. And I'm not really understanding why, because there's really no color theory back then. There's no one to explain to me why. Um, yeah, I mean, right, you know. And so um, I decided I was going to get into body tattooing because you don't really have to deal with that. And so I drove into Eddie's shop and I asked him uh, if he'd, he'd apprentice me. And he said, yeah. And um, and so I spent... Um, about a little over 18, little over 18 months at his shop apprenticing with him. And at the time he had a female apprentice in there too, but one in particular that I really gravitated towards and, and felt close to. And she was about six months ahead of me and she was super talented and there were other, you know, artists in there and whatnot. So it was, it was kind of like a community of artists in there that I, and I got to learn from all of them. And Eddie was a little old school. Um, he made all his own needles. And so that's, that's how all his apprentice started, including myself. Like I wasn't able to tattoo anything. Um, I had to, you know, you're kind of the grunt of the shop. He, you know, right. I, I had to make all his needles. I had to kind of look in his book and see what he was doing. You know, was it portraits? Was it this? Was it that? And sit down and solder and make all his needles for like a whole, for the whole week. And that got me really super interested in needles and that's when I learned, oh my gosh, there's this other whole array of needles out there that are not being taught in PMU. Back then in permanent makeup, it was the three and the five round liner. And that was like it. That's all that was really being used or talked about or, or, or taught. But, you know, Eddie exposed me to shaders and mags, a single needle. I mean, all kinds of, you know, different needles. And he moved a different way, Victoria. When, you know, our tattoo artists were moving a different way than what I was taught to move to implant pigment. And so I started kind of moving closer to the way they moved. And when I started changing up my needles and working more like a body tattoo artist for my uh, permanent makeup work, immediately I noticed, you know, my results were better. My results were better. I was doing less touch-up work. Um, and then I found LI pigments and how did that come to be? Well, cause I was bitching about the eyebrow colors turning color. I was really bitching about it. And I'm like, man, if this is just the way it is, cause you know, there was quite a few people back then said, well, it's the, that's the way it is. And I'm like, well, why, why is this the way it is? I mean, someone needs to make me understand this because this doesn't happen with body tattoo pigments. I tattoo in red and that shit's red. You know, right. I, I didn't understand it, Victoria. And I got to a point where it's, this is not okay. And if this is going to happen, then I cannot do permanent makeup because I can't face these clients. It's, it's humiliating and I can't face these clients. And so it was actually Marjorie Grimm. And one day she's like, I'm going to send you a bottle of LI pigments. And I think this is going to change how you feel about permanent makeup. And she sent me a bottle of hazelnut and I started using it and probably for two years it's all I would do was hazelnut, hazelnut? <laughs> <laughs> yes because I wanted to and I was monitoring it I wanted to make sure age and in the meantime you know Margie had a small group of people using LI and we were on an email chain where we were looking at each other's healed work and I was not seeing color changes they were healing and aging very very stable so I started introducing more of the LI colors until you know, I ended up with about you know seven or eight colors and then that was my color choice. They they were reliable. They were stable. They did not turn color on me. 
And that was my, my pigment choice. I just knew that was going to be my pigments, you know, probably the rest of my career. And that's what, that's, that's what happened. You know? so, How did you get to know their pigment lines so in depth? How did you start working with them? Um, well, you know, they had a distributor at the time and I think maybe she was, you know, getting a little bit older and, and, um, they, they needed a new Margie, Margie mentioned they needed a new distributor. And by, by then I had been using LI six years mm-hmm. by six years. And, um, I had never met LI or anybody there. And then LI reached out to me and, uh, Margie gave me a head up, heads up that they, they probably, they, that they may be, that they may be like, she threw my hat, you know, in, in Darlene's ear. And so Darlene called me one day and, um, and I said, no, at first I declined the offer. I did not want to be a distributor. And the reason I didn't and said no at first was because I was a prolific trainer at that time. I was traveling all over the United States. People were coming to my little room and I was training, 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 training. Back then you did did not it just started with someone emailing. It started with a convent, a conference, a mm. conference. And I brought my hard copy portfolio, you know, like a photo album. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, people was looking at my work and it started with one email. Can you come train with me? And then, and then, you know, just, she enjoyed my training. She told someone and it just turned into, I turned into a trainer and a, a, a very busy, busy trainer for years. But as a trainer, I, um, I used LI, I recommended LI and I felt that if I became a, and and I felt if I became a distributor for a trainer, it was no longer, no longer going to feel or appear genuine or, or or authentic that I truly believed in these pigments. I felt it was going to look like I was trying to make a buck and that really, that didn't, Katie huh? Schofield just said this. Oh, seriously? He just said this. That's so funny. Someone else approached Katie Schofield to be on their team or whatever for their pigments. And she said, you know, I could train with their colors because that's what their idea is, right? She's a big trainer in the UK and they mm-hmm. wanted her to be put them in their kits, whatever. She said, I could do that. And honestly, they're nice pigments, but... I would feel like I was doing it just for the money. And it, honestly, it doesn't feel like an organic, um, you know, pardon the pun on organics and organics, but it doesn't feel like an organic move because that's not the colors that I use. And everyone yeah. knows that if they watch my, I only use LI. So it feels like it's just a money grab. It doesn't yeah. feel genuine. Yeah. And and there's a lot so of money grabbers. It exists. It's not just you. Yeah. And, and, and my, my situation was the same in that, I, I, I didn't want my authenticity, uh, yeah. being questioned. They were pigments. I were, I was using at six years by that point would never use another pigment. I believed in them, but <laughs> if I started selling them and making money off them, new students coming to train with me, are, are they still going to see me as authentic? Or are they going to think that I'm talking about LI? And teaching with LI and trying to get them on out now because I want to make a dollar. I knew all the train the, the students prior to that, you know, um, would not change their opinion, you know. And and they they were actually a lot of my prior students, you know, before LI once LI asked me, they they were really happy for me. They they really wanted me to do it. And I and I expressed my concerns to a lot of people because I was really yeah. super concerned about it. And then and then and then just just with um you know, with, with, with conversations with, uh, you know, people in the industry and, 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 and encouragement, um, that no one knew this line better, that would be a great representation for them and a great trainer for them. I, I decided to do it. I did decide to do it and I did it. And thank and God. You did it. Thank God. Yeah. You did. yeah. 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 So yeah. if we're looking back 22 years ago, all the way to today, what is something that you would change? something I would change. I think I would make my, I think I would make my moves quicker. Really? Yeah. I think I'd make my moves quicker. What did you wait I, too long for? Um, lots of things, lots of things. Yeah. Lots of things. Um, 
and and I, 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 and I wouldn't be, and I, and I would, oh man, I don't know if I would change that. I'm a perfectionist. And once I decide to move forward, it takes me too long because I'm putting, it has to be at such a high level. Um, but I, I, I take too long to make decisions that that a hundred percent. So starting my store, do you know, uh, be, look at, look at being a distributor for LI. I said no at first. And then I, I let, I let a gap go by. Yeah. you know, and, and then they called me again, you know, and then I, I talked to Kat and we finally decided to do it. Um, launching the store. That was my dream was to have a store because all the stores in permanent makeup at that time. Now, come on. I mean, they were selling, you know, permanent make permanent makeup, you know, digital machines that were $20,000 and, and needles that, oh, that was a nightmare. were $25 and just these little, you know, gadget type things. And, and I was using none of those supplies. I was using machines made by tattoo manufacturers. I was using tattoo needles. I was using, do you know what I mean? So um, creating a store, there, lots of things, lots of things. The color theory webinar, right? I, that, oh, that was, that was a, such a game changer, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? I waited, I waited, I didn't move quick on that because I was told no one would sit for hours on a computer and watch you talk about color theory. I was told that by a lot of people, even people close to me in the industry. No one, Taryn, that is a ridiculous, one person said this, that's a ridiculous idea, Taryn. No one will sit in front of a computer and watch you talk about color theory for six to eight hours. No one. And that thought got in my mind and replayed and replayed and replayed and replayed. And I half bought into it, Victoria, and I pace, you know, I pace like in my house, I pace and I think and I think and I pace and I can imagine the class and imagine me speaking color theory. And if I get so excited learning color theory, when it's taught from a place of science and it's taught um, with passion and enthusiasm and um, and even a little bit of humor, and that gets me all excited. Why wouldn't that excite the industry? So, so I kind of got to the point where, fuck it, I am just going to build this online class, this webinar. I'm going to launch it. And if they come, they come. If they don't, they don't. And just about everybody in the industry came. I mean, that that sucker, I mean, I was doing them you know, <laughs> yeah. once a week for years and years and years live. Yeah. Live. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was that a good was lesson difficult. too. That was difficult saying like, oh, can you be yeah, you can buy this class for hundreds of dollars, but you have to be here all eight hours because it's live only. There is no replay. That was tough. And we made it work though. And I did it twice. So yeah. if, if someone had ever planted a seed of doubt in your mind, they were so far off base because people will make the sacrifice when it's worth the price, you know? Yes. A hundred percent. Without yeah. telling me who it was, that person who told you, no, are they in this industry? Yes. Are they as big of a name as Taryn Darling and Girls Inc? Maybe at one point in their career. There you go. So they flipped through their fingers because they didn't adapt. And you mm -hmm. were forward thinking and that person couldn't see the vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think you nailed it because I've always been forward thinking. And I think that was a good lesson personally for me is, and for everybody listening to this podcast, is it doesn't matter if people are telling you no left and right about a project or a dream or a business or anything that you want to do or launch or pursue. It can be, it can be your parents, it can be your family, it can be your closest colleagues. It doesn't matter. If, 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 if you can't stop thinking about it, then you're meant to do it. And um, you, and you just got to ignore the no's and you've got to do it. You just have to do it. What is one thing that you failed at in business that nobody knows about? Ooh, ooh, what's the one thing I failed at? Mm. Yeah, think about that. Well, it's a Everybody good thing that I have. It's a good thing that I have to think about that. Yeah, right? it is. It's a good thing that Everybody I have. Everybody sees the things that you want at, you know, and that's great for you. But I'm still here in my six by nine room with one bed, praying for one client a week, and it feels like everything I try fails. What's one thing that I can relate to with your journey? <laughs> I, you know, I've had, I've had, I, I don't think I've had one big failure, right? But I've had lots, probably thousands of small to moderate failures on the way to something big that that it did end up finally 
succeeding. So I think my failures, there are these, these, these small to moderate failures that, that happen uh, along the way. You know, one was like launching my academy, you know, my academy, because now the color theory course, it's, it's on an academy and um, you can record everything now and put it on an academy. But, you know, launching that at first, I chose the wrong platform at first, cost me a lot of money, you know, filming the procedures, you know, I went through three videographers oh, and shoot, couldn't get, that's... yeah, that was a lot of money. Couldn't get the the quality of video that I wanted. So a lot of, a lot of mistakes, like a lot, a lot of mistakes like that. Trusting people. I've made a lot of mistakes, trusting people, uh, taking people for their word, not doing contracts. Um, what was the worst? And you don't have to say who it is, please. But what was the worst like breakup you had in business? And what did you learn from that? Because I feel like that's such a common thing. Everybody goes into business with their sister or their best friend. They're going to share a lease. It never works out. Or they yeah. get into a partnership and there's no contract. It's always some drama. What's the what's the number one thing you learned from your worst business breakup? Um, I haven't really had. I did have a business breakup. Real quick, before we get into it, let's talk a little bit about today's sponsor, who is our everyday sponsor, our total hero. Uh, Browse's European U products is our go-to place for all things permanent makeup, home to world-famous pink gel, secondary anesthetic, and also to the beloved uh, Prilocaine-Lidocaine combination of pink cream, which is an amazing primary numbing, so that your clients can feel just as good as you make them look early on, early on in my career. Um, and that stemmed out of, I think, jealousy, do you know, I can still, mm -hmm. and, um, since then I haven't had any business breakups. I have not, um, you know, I, I do a lot with Mary Richardson with, you know, Will Anthony and, uh, Monica Vani, uh, you know, Clarissa Stefani, a, a lot of people, and I haven't had any business breakups. I mean, we, I really haven't I've been really, really lucky, but I'm, I am really selective. But that that one business breakup that happened early on, um, we were close for a lot, a lot, a lot of years. And but I was more, um, I guess she she referred to me as being aggressive. Uh -huh. And I didn't really understand that, Victoria, because I've never thought of myself as aggressive. I never I've never had anybody, um, you know, uh, use that that adjective with me. But I was a go getter. I was a go-getter and I wanted to make things happen. And I, I was always testing the waters and, and, and whatnot. And, 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 and I, I started, my, my career started blossoming, if, if you will. And, um, that, that, that bothered her. It bothered her a lot. I, it got to the point where I would create like a class or something and I would show her and I would get the comments like, well, I should have thought of that. Um, uh, yeah, it was, so it, it ended up being, it ended up being unhealthy and ended up being toxic. And I probably, I may have stayed in the relationship. Um, but it was kind of like cat really was one that saying this has gotten really unhealthy, Taryn. Yeah. And you, you have to look at this as unhealthy. It's unhealthy. And because sometimes it's hard to leave a long-term relationship or business relationship. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that was it. And, 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 you know, and what did I learn from it? I guess, I guess people are unpredictable. I guess people can change. Jealousy can either propel you to like compete and be your best self, or it can really just create bitterness. And once that turns sour, you're really not coming back from that because I'm not going to be less because you're upset, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was doing. That's what Kat saw with me that I was downsizing and being less um, because I didn't want to offend. I didn't want to hurt her feelings, but yet inside of me, you know, I was just dying. I was yeah. just dying to spread my wings and go explore the industry and just see what I was capable of. And she chose the wrong word. Aggressive is the wrong word. I would use either driven or ambitious. Yeah. And that was probably much more accurate, but that wasn't the word chosen. It was aggressive, yeah. you know, but she would, but, but she was coming was from her own place of, of yes, 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 yes. And she, and there was hostility. She was feeling hostility towards me by, by this point. And, you know, so, um, yeah, so, and it was hurtful. Wait, how did you, I, I know it was because everyone's first business breakup is hurtful. It feels like a real breakup and it feels almost like a, like losing a friend, you know? Yeah. How did you and Kat first meet? Oh, well, you know, so we, well, <laughs> so there, so, you know, the lesbian community is not that big, you know, even <laughs> out here in Vegas. Right. So there's a, there's a, there's a lesbian community. And there was like a couple sets of 
friends cliques and I was in one and she was in the other one and we both had like girlfriends and we would every once in a blue moon I think we would like cross paths like at a party or something but um I didn't really even quite know her name like you know I think we said hi here and there what you know um and then what ended up happening was I ended up you know single she ended up single and every now and then someone say yeah well do you know cat you know cat I'm like now do you know cat no and I kept hearing this and people kept thinking you guys would be perfect together and then finally one night at a party well lo and behold I met cat and I'm like you're the cat I go I know who you are <laughs> and yeah it was a karaoke party and um what'd you sing oh shit girl I did not sing I did not <laughs> sing I did not sing I will do a duet with with people I like to do I like to do um you and I will do Islands in the Stream. No, that's, that's what I was going to say. That's the one I like to do. That's what I like to do. Yeah, I'll yeah. do it with you. Yeah, I like to do that one. I got to be Kenny, though. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll be Dolly. Any yeah, day. I always got to be the boy. I always got to be the boy. Okay. Uh, I don't know his part as well. <laughs> yeah, and, and that was it. And, and and we met we met at that karaoke night. And I think within a couple of weeks, we were yeah, like a really, yeah, really solid <laughs> item. Yeah, we just celebrated 20 years. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Have you been married? Well, we just legally got married. It was a year, September, I think September 9th. Oh, really? Yeah. So we were not legally married all these years, but we were together. So what we just you got say, Let's do it now. My, my accountant. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Our accountant <laughs> was like, you guys got to get married. <laughs> well, there's protection in, you know, in your financials and um, things you acquire over the years together. Yeah, our assets, you know, with marriage. And so although we had a living trust, and so we did protect ourselves that way, um, our accountant was really, really expressing the importance of taking the next step and protecting what we've built together, uh, you know, with marriage. And so we, we did do that. You know, what we did is we went downtown and we went to the court and we got our certificate and um, and then we were driving around and I wanted to go get married by Elvis because I'm an Elvis yeah. freak. I thought that would be like so dope right let's go get married by elvis but it was 109 degrees that day so i was like yeah we're not getting out so we we found a drive-through drive yeah went through a drive-through yeah it was like going through a car wash and we like go into this drive-through and we're laughing so hard we're like this is so fucking cheesy it is so cheesy i love it i love it so we get in there and then this little window opens and like this like 97 year old man like yeah, are you too haired yeah <laughs> are you two here to get married? We're like, yep. <laughs> so he's like, wonderful. And he comes out and yeah, he does this whole marriage thing. And yeah, I am. That is adorable. Well, after like 20, you know, we did do like a real wedding. We did like, like many, like, I think we were together four years and we went to Hawaii and we got like a gay minister and we were on a beach right on the water. It was beautiful. And we like did our vow. We wrote our own vows and we, we did the whole ceremony, but it wasn't legal right. back then. But um, we propose? just, yes, I did. How did you? Yes. Um, man, if cat watches this, I might get myself into some trouble. Well, I, <laughs> I, you know, I did like a dude does, you know, I got down on a knee. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But like, did and, you plan anything special? Did you take her to a special place? No, I did it in the house we were in. We were broke. Okay. We yeah. were broke no, that's time. how I got proposed to. Yeah, yeah. Christmas so, morning at the kitchen table, pajamas yeah. on. Yes, yes. Yeah. It was not long after Christmas. And I had a little, I went to Tiffany's and I could afford um, like a silver band. It was pretty simplistic, but I thought, because Kat's very girly. Yeah. Right? She's very girly. I met she's, her. Very, she's fun. Yeah. And she's very pretty. And she was a little more sophisticated than I was. Right. I mean, I'm this like, girl from Maine and I didn't know art and good wine or good jewelry. I didn't know any of that, that, that stuff really I wasn't educated in it and it didn't cross my radar. It didn't matter to me, but now I'm dating this really super smart, sophisticated feminine woman who, you know, talks art and wine and she's a foodie. And um, I was like, Oh my God, what did I get myself into? I'm feeling a little, yeah. And, and her and I still talk about this every now and then actually tonight's date night for us. We're going on. We do, we have date nights. We have date night tonight. So we'll probably talk about this tonight, but I felt a little, uh, what do I say? Maybe I don't want to say like, like she was better than me, but out of my league. That's what I'm yeah. looking for. 
I thought maybe oh man I think I'm like dating out of my league with like this girl but um but it, but it all worked out great and so I, so I did go to Tiffany's because I wanted to impress her and I got a band very simplistic band and but I thought oh it's in a blue box you know yeah that's, <laughs> that's all that matters to girls <laughs> a little blue box but um yeah and I got down one knee and I and I asked her and I and I and I was laughing I couldn't stop laughing and 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 she laughed and yeah actually she said you she made me do it again because I didn't write didn't do it right the first time so I was laughing too much so, she, so she's like you got to walk in the room and do it again I'm like okay so I walked in the room and I did it again I love uh, that. yeah 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 so yeah and she said yes and are uh, you a nervous laugher I am a nervous laugher probably more back then yeah. than I am now I think back then Victoria I was definitely didn't have a lot of confidence I was definitely more um timid about myself and and whatnot and I think I think meeting someone like Kat, who was very sure of herself and very confident and her helping me through that journey to feel that way about myself and, and in, in, in combination with permanent makeup, the industry coming into permanent makeup, having my own business, having to execute beautiful work to learn how to do, it made me responsible and, and have confidence as well. So, and, and, and those, I met Kat and got into permanent makeup relatively you know the same kind of I think within three years um when did so she I, enter the picture with um Girls Inc with Girls Inc maybe about tw 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 yeah we had our, we launched our store it'll be 12 12 years or 13 years this December so that's when she came in and that's when Ally asked me to be a distributor and that's when yeah. I when I finally said yes that's what got cut into the so you told Eli you have to walk out and do it again <laughs> yeah 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 well Darlene called again and I said well let me talk to my partner and I'll call you back. And I paced, pace, and I think, and I think, and I think, and then, Kat, you know, Kat came home and I'm talking to her about it. And I'm like, I can't, I want to do this. And I see this as an avenue of getting you out of the Venetian. At that point, she was a cocktail waitress for many, many, many years. You know, your tray arm, carrying those heavy trays, being on heels, the smoke. She, she oh, wanted- Oh, I forgot, memory unlocked. I forgot people used to smoke in bars. Yes, back then. Yeah. Yes. And so we had talked about an avenue for her to get out, you know, and she had done aesthetics in California. So that was one thing that we talked about. And then I thought, why couldn't this be her avenue out? And we talked about it. You know, we can start the store and it will be your baby because I don't really want to know who's buying and not buying because right. I don't want my. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to be cl clouded or polluted that way. I'm in, in the industry and we can generate revenue with the store and you can leave the Venetian. And so I called Darlene back and told her my plan and she, we did it. And I think Kat worked another three years at the Venetian because it took about three years to get the store to be profitable. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you earn and then you drop it right back into the store, right? You keep reinvesting the money to grow your store, grow your platform. So it had to not just be profitable, but it had to be profitable. And we had to be able to take a salary that was comparable to the salary Kat was making at the time. Right. And so that took about three years. Yeah, it took about three years. So once we got to that, then Kat quit the Venetian and we've been running Girls Inc. ever, ever since together. So, yeah. How'd you come up with the name Girls Inc.? Oh, man, that's a story. So when I first started, right, I was I was uh, just doing permanent makeup and um, I was going back and forth between Girls Inc. and Darling Faces, right? And oh, you really picked the right one. I, I know. I know. <laughs> well, listen to this. No, you're no, you're going to die. So, so I call my dad, right? And I'm like, dad, I'm the kind of stuck. I got girls ink or I got darling faces, you know, and I don't know which one to go with. And he's like, oh, well, you got to go with darling faces. You'll be the first darling to, you know, to have to, have, to be on the wild world web. You got to be, you got to have the darling name on the wild world web, darling faces. And so that filled my heart, right? No, that's my dad. He still calls it the wild world web. He still has a name. <laughs> flip phone from the 90s yeah loses reception all the damn time I'm always you know, we talk every Sunday I'm always like yelling at him dad Jesus you gotta get a phone they have, flip <laughs> phones. They have flip phones now Samsung has a brand new flip phone oh no 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 so anyway he's hysterical but so I went with darling faces really to make my dad happy right because he he just he, he deserves that so I went with darling faces but then I had guards made and everything and then I learned how to body tattoo and I was doing both. So I was doing body tattooing and I was doing permanent makeup and I'm like, Ooh, darling faces. I'm like, man. So I'm beyond the face. Now I'm tattooing the body. 
um, one of my be darling face and body, darling face, and and I I just darling face and body kind of sound like that mall store, you know, yeah. <laughs> like with yeah, soaps and yeah 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 yeah. So I called my dad and I I told him I said you know the bad news that I'm I'm squashing darling faces and I'm going with girls ink. I was about three years into my career, and uh, yeah, he wasn't really that happy about it, but I did it and been girls ink ever since. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you can uh why don't you have an artist series yet for pigments well it's funny you ask i have a big huge call with darlene and matia and blanca the chemist over at li on tuesday because my eyeliner colors are done i am coming out with i did a lot of other people first right including you know clarissa stefania and i we have another really big big name i i, I can't say who launching her artist series in, in the upcoming months, all, all hers have been tested for the last four years. She's been testing hers. Oh, wow. Well, well, yes. Well, 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 well tested. Um, so it was time for me. And so I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing my own line. And so my eyeliner colors are done. So yeah. And then my, my brow colors, um, I got six of them and Four are done, tested, approved, several healed results. I love them. And then two of them, um, I think I just need to tweak, tweak the tones a little bit, and then they will be done as well. So yes, I am coming out with my own artist series. Thank you so much for asking. I appreciate that. I'm I, is I'm one of the colors excited. named after me? Um, Bitch and Brown. Oh, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> Victorian like one of my colors. <laughs> did you know that um Carla from Sculpted Beauty named one of her lip pigments after me? She did. She did, yeah. What it's is called it? Glam. Glam. Oh, I love Carla. Me too. I was <laughs> talking to um Rose Prieto recently. I saw her at Woolop um in Miami. I love her. She'll be here in December. Oh, really? What's she coming to? She's one of my favorite people, you know? Yeah, so, well, that, well, I'm doing my last eyeliner class for the year. So she's going to come out and hang out with me. Yeah. So I'm super stoked. And we're working on a project um, together. So, well, her, she's she's got a class. It's not a secret. She's got a class that she's producing. It's just about done. So that's going to be on the Academy. So, yeah, I've known Rose for years and years and years and years. She was the MC for Woolop which meant that she didn't stop speaking for the whole weekend. And it was right. her birthday. She yeah. lost her voice by the end of like day one. She went well, from course. like 8 a.m. until midnight and then she had to do it again the next day. Oh. So I guess at some point we were running out of things to talk about, but we were chatting because, you know, just never stopped talking. Um, we had a conversation where we said, you know, it's a little annoying that the gay community has taken to the word partner rather than husband or wife, because of course, at first you weren't legally married, right? Yeah. But now in this business, it's very difficult for us to discern whether or not that is your partner or your partner. <laughs> I want to yeah, know. I don't say partner. Talking. Yeah, I well, say wife. Rose, Rose killed me because she said, can you imagine if they had chosen the word lover instead? <laughs> <laughs> I know. But I wonder Be why. My lover. Wonder, this is my lover. I wonder why. Wonder, wonder, you know, I was, I was the first like lesbian to come out in the industry. Yeah. You know, all those years ago, there was another lesbian. There, well. I went to the SPCP. This is like 20 years ago, right? And I roomed with somebody. You know, back then we were all broke. So, you know, I was this <laughs> young little broke artist and I couldn't even afford my own hotel room. And I was going to the SPCP conference and, and they had a roommate pairing kind of thing that they did. They would pair you with a roommate. That's nice, I and, guess. Yeah, so I get in there. be a crime you know, documentary. Yeah, get in there one in the morning, knock on the door. My roommate answers the door. And uh, so I go in and, you know, we're chit-chatting a little bit and- so, you know, so she's asking a little bit about, about myself and I'm like, yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, I got, I got, a, I got a honey. And she was like, what's his name? I'm like, well, her name is Kat. And she was like, oh, you're gay. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, are, are you cool with that? She goes, yeah, no, no problems at all. And it wasn't until maybe three, four months later in an email to me, she wrote to me, you know, I'm gay. And I'm like, I'm like, can I call you? And she's like, yeah. So I called her and I'm like, why? I go, are you just coming out or? And she's like, no, I've been gay for many, 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 many years. And I go, does any, does the industry know? Does anybody at the SP, does anybody know? She goes, no, I've never told a soul. And I'm like, what, what, you know, can I ask why? And she goes, well, let me ask you something. How did you get to be so comfortable and confident to where you 
can just be you. I asked you and you were just like, no, her, it's, I'm gay. I got I got I'm with a woman. And I'm like, I don't know. I think it was the way I was raised. Yeah. I, I love, I love her. She's, 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 you know, at that time she was my girlfriend. That's how I introduced her and spoke of her and referred to her as she was my girlfriend. Now I refer to her as my wife. Um, but yeah, she, she just didn't come out and, and she struggled with coming out to the industry for some time after that, but finally did. But yeah, no, I was the first one to, to kind of come out and, and be the lesbian, you know, of, of the industry, which, you know, which, you know, was, was good, normal. And, and there was a few instances that, you know, weren't normal and weren't good, you know, because yeah. of it, because of the times back then. Yeah. But. Somebody has to be first. And it's usually going to be the person who it was never an issue for to begin with. So it sounds right. like whoever she was, she probably came from a background where it wasn't always okay. Yeah. Yeah. The thing, the thing that I got picked on the most for and people would say to me is because I did a lot of breast work, you know, I've been doing that all my, my whole career. And it, it was that, it was that being that I'm gay and I'm doing areola and nipple tattooing, you know, on, on, on women. And for some people, they saw that as like a conflict, which I couldn't wrap my brain around that or understand it. But it set with me so heavy, they it, it scared me that I that for many, many, many years, Victoria felt, um, and this was within the industry that that was said to me. Um, so that seed was planted in my head within the industry. So with clients, I started telling clients, you know, there's something that I have to tell you and that I'm gay. And what I found just like you need to tell people, I needed to tell you because I'm handling a naked breast, right? You know, but I know that you're gay. Yeah. And, but my clients would either say, yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) Or they would not know. And they would say, and yeah, they didn't care. The clients never cared never, never cared. That was never an issue. But I kept telling them just in case to like protect myself. Like it got out on social media somehow, turns gay and, you know, and oh my God, that's the girl that tattooed my breasts. I don't know. It was different back then, you know? Yeah, it really was a different world. Even, even 15 years ago, it was such a different world. The average age, you know, was 45 entering permanent makeup. And it was very conservative, you know, pageantry type women, if you will. It wasn't young, tattooed, pierced artist type people getting into the industry. That was not the industry 20, 25 years ago. It was not. Um, it was a very conservative industry. And the leaders of the industry, especially here in the United States, were extremely conservative. Yes. So cons- Yes, yeah, so conservative that my first lecture, I was forbidden to show my tattoos or to say the word tattoo. Wow. And the first time I saw you lecture in person as your opener, you made a joke about being a lesbian, something to do with finger size. <laughs> <laughs> I very well could have. <laughs> I probably did. Yeah. You did. You really I think did. I was I said- rebellion towards all the restriction and, you know, because I was gay. I mean, look, I have a class called Needle in the Prick. Right. And I was going to give that as a lecture. And um, the, the conference owner, you know, the lady who owned the organization at the time forbid me to use that title. And when I asked her, I, I said, I don't understand the needle in the prick. I I mean, it's a needle. It pricks the skin. I thought it was pretty clever. Right. And yeah. And she's, and you know, and she's like, well, you're playing off your lesbian thing. It's, and I'm like, lesbian, what does a prick have to do with being a lesbian? First of all. And, and yeah. that's how Taryn became a millionaire. That lawsuit alone was just. <laughs> yeah. But no, that was said to me. A lot of your things were said to me. Thing? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of things like that, Victoria, were said to me over the years, you know, wow. but, but, you know, but we're just sharing stories, right? You know, sure, yeah. am, you know I don't want to come across as I was, you know, as a victim or any, or anything like that. They were all, some of them were hard lessons, but you know, it is what it is. It was the times and um, thank God, you know, as a, a, a community. Well, it like, and It seems like you kind of put that on your back and made it your own mission, right? Like two words that I would use to describe you getting to know you pretty well and having studied you, stalked you, if you will, I would say it would be curious, lifelong curious. You have always been curious your whole life. If you're, if it interests you, you're going to find out more about it and you want to know kind of everything about it mm-hmm. and accepting. And I think everybody it would use that word for you, accepting or welcoming or some form of the word. So yeah. I think even if you ever met a closed door, you probably just vowed to open another one for someone else. And I, I really respect that. I like that. Well, thank you very much. I, I think it's important and, and not being, ex- and not being ex- just accepting of others, but of your own self, of your own self. That's who you, 
Yes, of who you are and not changing for anybody. You know, I'm a gay woman. I say fuck sometimes. I can't help it. It's in my DNA. I'm I'm this, I'm that, and the other. This is me. And I may be different from a lot of people. I may be a lot alike with somebody, but this is me. And I don't change who I am depending on who I'm in front of. This is me. And I'm happier being me. I think everybody's happier when they can be them and they can be the, their true, true, authentic, genuine self and navigate through life and, and their industry as their true, authentic self. Yeah. Your first time going on stage, your first time speaking somewhere. was that I remember it vividly. Tell me what it felt like, how it started, what it felt getting on the stage. Yeah, it was, it was scary, exciting, and and thrilling and enthralling and everything I wanted all at the same time. And my topic was a topic that I knew inside and out better than anyone at that time in PMU in the entire world. And I knew it, it was needles. Yeah. It was needles. I had been making needles for so many years and I understood the science and the artistry of needle. I understood it. And when those two come together, the science and the artist artistry that that text bring, I, I, I knew what could be created. So I was so excited. I knew my topic. And I think that is the number one advice I give to young artists when they go to speak, know your topic. Because if you don't know your topic, it's, it shows on stage. It's yeah. killing, you know, know your topic through and through and believe in every word that you're saying up there. A hundred percent. So yeah, I was scared. I had, you know, the, the pterodactyls in my stomach. Um, I didn't know if they would like me or not. I mean, all these things. And it was my very first lecture. They told me don't show my tattoos and don't say the word tattoo. And there was 270 people in my audience for my very first lecture. And in that moment, I had a decision to make, right? Do I, and I, I didn't have a, a jacket. So someone gave me a jacket to wear like a suit jacket. So in that, in that moment, do I, do I conform? Do I wear a jacket and cover my tattoos? And do I, and, and this is about 10 minutes before I'm going on stage. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. And Kat just kind of looked at me and she's like, baby, don't do it. Don't do it. You'll regret it. You will you regret it. And she knew me and I, that first experience going on stage wouldn't have been the fabulous, amazing experience it was, even all these years later, if I had worn a jacket and if I had not said the word tattoo. So I yeah. went on stage. Yes, I went on stage without the jacket. That's how I came up with the double cuff roll. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, that's my, that's my swag. That's kind of my style, you know, the shirts and I go to the tailor and they cut them in the double cuff roll. Yeah. To show the tattoos even more Victoria. So, um, I got on stage with all my tattoos showing and I said the word tattoo countless times. And back then, they, yes. And that, and it was on needles and I knew my subject and I presented it in a way that was interesting and, and entertaining. And back then they would, you know, have sheets go around and you would mark your favorite speaker and blah, blah, and rank them. There was rankings and all that wow. stuff. And I, I got, I got voted best speaker for the whole conference. So yeah, look, you're going to be nervous. There's no getting around that. Well, you, you don't get nervous. Are you sure? Not even like, I don't get little... nervous on stage. I so don't. Once, you're, once you're on there, what about leading up to going on the stage? The lead um, up? Mm, no. I might feel like, um, like, like the second before my foot hits the stage, like, oh, is everything going to go right? Are my slides going to be there? Am I going to? Am I going to fall? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Am I going to slip? But talking in front of people, like people, do not make me nervous. I could talk in front of ten people, ten thousand yeah. people. I have spoken to a room with six people in it. I have spoken to a room with two hundred and fifty people in it, and that doesn't really. It's more me. What am I going to do? Am I going to say the F yeah. word a bunch of times? Am I going to fall? Am I going to fart? What am I going to do? Yeah. But, um, and you know, the only person that has ever made me sweat a little bit was, um, the first time that I got on stage and I was giving a presentation, my very first one, 250 people in the room, in the back of the room in a pink long sleeve, like, I guess it's suit jacket, probably. Uh, -huh. uh it was Taryn Dorling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was me. That was your first, that was your first lecture. Yeah. That was my first time. Really? Hey, and, and I, you know what? That pink jacket you described, that was fabulous. Was that not fabulous? Wasn't it? That was fabulous. Yeah. It I was perfect. It, it was absorbent I as I was crying on it. It was, I love it. Yeah. 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 Cat picked that on me. Yeah. But you, I didn't, I, you look, I never would have known that was your first, first lecture. You were, you were great. You were I great. Really my yeah. 
you know, some people belong in front of people, right? They're just, they're just a natural. That's you. You got that personality. You're comfortable and you're really smart, Victoria. You, you say, you say a lot of really impactful, smart, smart things. You're smart and you're, and you're funny and you're entertaining. You got a high energy level. Someone told me this one time, you, you, your mind can only hold on to that anxiety and that nervousness for like a couple of minutes. Yeah. Like, and then it, it, it leaves you. Right. And yeah. Then because you, you know what that is? It's fight or flight. And if yes. you choose to stay and keep doing it, your body goes into fight mode. So it's adrenaline right. pumping through you. Right. That's 100%. what leaves you is your adrenaline kicks in. Exactly. You know, and then you get comfortable and you get in your groove. The other advice I would give is not try not to memorize her lecture. Yeah. Know, know your topic and know like where you want to lead in and what your bullet points are and what you want to say within those bullet points. But I, I think when people try to memorize their dialogue, that can really mess them all up. You know, you want to be able to ad lib and... Um, and give analogies and and be off the cuff because that's what that's what makes a lecture more entertaining and more organic. Like I, I find it very boring when someone's just reading off a PowerPoint. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, I, it's, I, I prefer, boring. it's boring. Did you yeah. know, T, did you know that my husband and I graduated on the exact same day from college, but he's two years older than me? Really? Because he refused two semesters in a row to take a public speaking class. So he would take the class, he would sign up for it, he would go to class. And then it was when it was the time for him to actually like do his first speech, he would quit. <laughs> so, so you're the, you're, you're the, you're the flower. He's the gardener. Yeah. yeah that's like with Kat and I, cause she, she, I'm the person at, right. I'm the flower. Yeah. She's the gardener. That's what she tells me. Cause she won't public speak. She won't do any of that either. No way. No way, Jose. Well, Taryn, our time yes. is running short, but before we hop off, um, how can people reach out to you, whether they want to take our amazing content class um, soon to come, or if they are looking for training with you or services with you or coaching with you? Yeah, um, I'm an email person. Of course, there's Instagram, you know, Tat Girls Inc. on Instagram, but I'm not really a big DMer, to be honest with you, on Instagram. I'm more of an emailer. But if they... And, and, just info. I guess the easiest way would be info at girlsinc.com. And in the email title, if it's coaching with Taryn, just put that, you know, whatever, whatever it is you're interested in with me or want to chat with me about, put that in the email title, or this is for Taryn. And then the girls forward it to me. I have a, you know, like a smaller email that they funnel. They filter, yeah. 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 We have like three or four different uh, emails, like one for coaching, one for training, blah, blah, blah. So they filter them out and then I have access to all those. So that would be, that would be the best way. Nice. Well, yes. Tara, thank you so much for taking time out on a Saturday evening for me and yes. so many times in one month. <laughs> I know. I know. It's been a great month. It has. We'll see you back here. You guys, I think it's going to be a hell of a season. I cannot believe that Taryn Darling stopped by, but uh, I have a lot of more guests in store for you this season and some really cool stuff to come. Go on over to shopbrowsister.com and support the ones who support us. This entire podcast would not exist without Browsister. Um, go and check out the glamlifepodcast.com so that you can see exclusive behind the scenes footage as well as um, the after show. There are some pictures of Taryn as a younger artist and of her her very first um room that she worked in as well as photos from her wedding and a very very interesting um discussion about her favorite serial killer and uh yeah i'll see you back here next monday bye have a good day